Now, let's get into the word this morning because here we go. That's why we're here. Jesus. Uh, if you turn with me in your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 12. And I want to just share with you some things that were stirring in me these last couple of days here. And living a victorious life, or simply saying it, living it Jesus style, is making sure that our priorities are in line. So if you may be happening, I'm, I'm kind of struggling. There's some things that I'm just struggling with in my personal life and, you know, whatever it may be. There's three things that if we just keep in mind, here, here it is in a nutshell, the focus for you in my life. Number one is to stay connected to the spirit of God. Amen. Stay connected. How do I do that? That's my spirit. And that's the real part of you. Say, I am a spirit. That's what I am. That's who I am. Then secondly, is I have to renew my mind daily. And where does that get involved? That is your, my soul, right? And then I have to take dominion over my body. And that is the physical. So I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in this physical body. If we can get that alignment proper, if we can get that just zero focused in, listen, life will look a whole lot differently for us. When we start having problems is you start thinking that the feelings you have or the emotions you have, that's who you are. That is not who you are. You have emotions. You have feelings. They don't have you. So if we can learn to, and again, there's nothing wrong with emotion. There's nothing wrong with having feelings. God gave that to us, but they're not supposed to take the lead in our lives. So what do we have to do with them is I have to constantly go back to my spiritual reality and the spiritual truth of what God said in his word that has got to be where I operate from. Now, Jesus, and if you read the whole account of Luke's gospel, it's, it's wonderful. In Luke 12, Jesus is saying some marvelous things, talking about, I mean, the, the Lord, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows all this. He knows when one sparrow falls to the ground. He knows all of these things. Yet, how much more importantly, God cares about you. Right? He's saying all these things. And then he goes on to say, he says, those who boldly confess me in front of men, I will boldly confess and acknowledge you before all the angels of God. Right? So he's saying all these wonderful things. And all of a sudden, after that message is a little done, somebody in the thousands of people there pipes up and he says, yo, teacher, could you maybe tell my brother that he's got to split the inheritance with me? Talk about a damper to the service. <laughs> given this message about the father's love and about what, what I'll do in heaven and what it looks like in eternity. And this guy pipes up and says, come on, man. Like Jesus, this guy's not sharing my inheritance with me. And there's a lot of money involved in this. So, and Jesus, you can see it again. I believe it's in verse 12 in the new King James Bible. He goes, man, who made me the judge over what takes place in your family? I kind of think it like this. Jesus went, man, just killed the service. Sit down. Who made me a judge of all this? And then he makes this statement, and I just love this. To me, this just puts success in what this all is. So in uh, Luke chapter 12, go back to verse 13, I believe there, guys. It says, uh, oh, go to verse 14. No, 15. It says, speaking to the people, Jesus continued. He said, be alert and guard your heart from greed, from always wishing you for what you don't have. I love this point for your life can never be measured by the amount of things that you possess. Life is not measured by the things that you possess. The success for us as a church is not that we have a new church building. That's not success. 
What is success then? You're going to see this if you go to verse 21. He says this, Jesus says this, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. What makes us rich as a church is the presence of Jesus that's in this room. The amount of Jesus that I'm experiencing in my everyday life. So Jesus went on again, he went earlier, just said that life is not measured by what you possess or what you own. So a lot of times we kind of look even in the parking lot, like, oh man, did you see that? You know, that H2, that Hummer? Man, I like that. They must be doing really good. I'm saying that because I really would like a Hummer. My wife said no. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just putting it out there because the Lord is talking to me right now saying, Joel, it shall come to pass. <clears throat> But you can look and go, oh man, do you see that? Or do you see, man, they, they got a house. Look at all the square footage that they got. They must really be doing well, right? That's the, the thought. A lot of times you hear that in the natural. But Jesus is saying, you can't determine how rich a person is based on the possessions that they have. What makes you successful, what makes a person rich is the rich quality of relationship that they have with the Lord. So if we make that the foundation of everything we got, like, listen, when we sang that song, I'm just weeping in my corner over here, just going, your presence is all that I want. It's all that I need. And it's not to say that I don't want any of this stuff. No, I want money. I want it. Do you? Yeah. Well, you need money to do things. So it's not just a selfish thing. Well, I don't need any of this stuff. Yes, you do. If you want to make an impact, you need money. And so that's why we're calling it in. Money, get over here now. You belong to the church. We need to advance God's kingdom. And so you need the finances to do that. But my goal is not to go after, to attain, and I just got to get more. No, 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 no. I want Jesus. I want his presence. I want what he's got. Because when you get him, you get everything else attached to who he is. So that's the primary focus in all this. So again, we have to keep the main thing, the main thing. Now, why are we taking the time to establish the reality of who we are again? Really understanding the spirit, soul, body, because Jesus paid a tremendous price to bring you back to your original design and to now operate in that original design. So I think a lot of times that we know is, okay, Jesus paid a tremendous price Christ to purchase me back and get me back into the arms of God. But not only that, I'm also qualified and capable now to operate in that original design. So I think that's a lot of times where the mix up happens. We just go, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. Oh, okay. Everything's good. My eternity is established. Great. Can't wait to get there. That's exciting and great, but we're missing out how to now operate in the design that he called us to operate from before the foundation of the earth. And that's what we're taking the time to discuss because you are a spirit. Say it, I am a spirit. That's what you are. And I have a soul. I have emotions. I have a will. I have thoughts. I have feelings. And I live in this physical body. So I have to get the proper alignment on this. So again, I want to just relay again to us what Jesus did for us. So look at this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 through 22. It says, by the blood of his cross. Whose cross? Jesus' cross, not my cross. I'm thankful I don't have to go there. By the blood of his cross, everything... Can you read that with me? Everything. When I ask, the reason I say that is sometimes when you say it, it helps get it on the inside. Remember, your tongue is the pen for your heart. How do I get things into my heart? You got to speak it. That's why the Bible, that's why it's so much in the Christianity. You actually used to be called the great profession or the great confession. 
right? Confession isn't just, I got to confess my sin. I got to confess my sin. No, it's saying the same thing as God. He gave us this word. Did you know that God's word didn't come from God's pen? Where did it come from? It came from his mouth. And he gave it to you from his mouth so that you could put it in your mouth. And so that when you start speaking it, he watches over his word to perform it in our lives. So that's why we get so caught up in the great confession and start speaking what he said. I'm way ahead of myself, but let's continue. By the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself. Back to its original intent. And I've been restored to innocence again. (laughs) See, if you were to see a brand new baby, you'd think, oh, that baby's like, you would look at it and go, they have no past. They have done nothing wrong. Well, God looks at you more pure than the baby. You're innocent again. Oh, because of what I did? No, because of the blood of his cross. Verse 21 says, even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you Back to himself. (laughs) He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and the Father God for he sees you holy. Say it, I'm holy. Holy. He else does he see me? He sees me flawless. And restored. That's how he sees me. What are we talking about? I don't feel holy. I don't feel flawless. And I definitely don't feel restored. What is he talking to? Your spirit. This is spiritual reality. And the reason why that's so important and so good. It's because that's who you are. That's your nature. Your nature is holy, flawless, and restored. So to go, I'm just a messed up person. No, you're not. You got to stop that. There may be some things that need some fixing up there. That's that can happen, but that's not who you are. This is who you are. And when that becomes reality, this starts to change. Righteousness really has everything to do with right believing. That's what Jesus came to, and that's really what the grace is all about. When we start living and operating in grace, it's not just, I hope God does things for me now. No, it's learning to believe properly. That's what the whole Christian life is all about, is learning to get my believing intact to what he did. Not believing according to how I feel, according to what I did, according to how I look at myself. I got to get my believing looking like this. I am holy. I am flawless. I am restored. Those are words that come out of my mouth regularly. I have a sound mind and I speak it. Sure doesn't feel like it. Doesn't matter. I am restored. This is spiritual reality. And this is why it's crucial for us to get this. So the word or the mirror of your spirit is reflecting to you and I, this is who I am. Now, another thing that we see because of the finished works of Jesus, the Bible also calls you a citizen I'm a citizen. Say with me, citizen of what? Of heaven. I am a citizen of heaven. And as a citizen, I ought to know what's going on from the place that I come from. You know, what's crazy is a lot of Christians, we're more aware of what's taking place in our nation that we are. Yeah, of course, we're citizens of, and we want to know all those things. But a lot of times, that's what I want to get into is that we are a lot of times ignorant to what's going on up there. 
and we're acting that we're foreigners up there. You're not. I'm not a foreigner. When you walk into heaven, they go, oh, an alien has just come into heaven. You're not allowed to be here. No, that's where you belong. So I might as well enjoy all the benefits of what citizenship looks like down here on this earth. So look at this in Philippians 3.20. The Bible says that we are citizens of heaven. And what are we looking forward to? It's on the screen if you're wondering. We're very excited for his return. <laughs> oh dear, okay. This is, this is, we're off to a great start here. In other words, heaven is not my goal. It's my starting point. Another way I could say it is, God designed us to live from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. How do I operate? I operate from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. And the reason why to live earth to heaven is to bring your, uh, to God. And a lot of Christians just sound like that. Uh, I don't have it. This never works. I can't afford this. I can't afford that. My body's sick. I can't do anything. My mind's a mess. Why does everything suck? That's what it sounds like. And yes, we have a wonderful, kind, loving father. But at the same time, I think he'd like to say, shut up. That's not how we talk up here, citizen. That's not how we do. Even in our own family, we got a culture. The moment we start hearing whine or loser talk, well, hey, whoa, 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 you sound like a loser right there. Is that what you are? Is that who you are? No. Well, get that lip up. Let's, this, who are you? I'm a child of God. Well, let's talk as if we're from there. <laughs> okay. But if we were to operate now from heaven to earth, you're not moved by natural. Instead, you begin to talk about what heaven has already said and what citizenship looks like from that perspective. God, you said in your word, by your stripes, I am healed. God, you said in your word, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for, Lord, you said in your word that my children are a gift and strong is their peace, strong is their mind, strong is their inheritance on this earth. That's what I need to be declaring because I come from heaven and I've been temporarily sent here to establish his kingdom in this city, in this realm. Does that make sense? Now, let's just go here for a moment. Let's, I want to just unpackage this a little bit. But a earth-to-heaven mindset or a perspective limits God. It limits him. So let's look here at Psalm 78, 40 through 41. And this is talking about the, the children of Israel. And when they got taken out of Egypt, miraculously by God, and again, if Egypt is a type and shadow of the world... They were taken out of captivity. They were taken out of being slaves for over 400 years. Now, wow. Now, can you imagine the mindsets that they had for 400 years, generation passing on to generation, to generation, to generation. And listen, slaves, you're born slaves, right? Slaves have kids. What are they? They're slaves. So this mindset is being bred into them generation after generation after generation. And so that's why God says, I'm bringing you to a promised land first. He said, I'm bringing you first to Mount Sinai so you can meet me. Because when you meet me, I have to get that old Egypt. I have to get that old thinking. I have to get that old perspectives out of you before I bring you into the promised land. 
Well, the same way for you and I, we come out of the world and where do we go? Well, I, I don't know. I just got to figure out how this, everything's great. I got to go to the promised land. I just got to get up there. I got to, everything's got to be good. He first wants you to introduce you to Jesus. Because when you get introduced to Jesus, and he, what he wants to do is he wants to change the way you think so that you start lining up with how he thinks so that you can be effective on this earth. Okay. So what we see here, the Israelites, verse 40. He says, if you guys go back one, verse 40, please. How many times they, talking to the Israelites, they rebelled in their desert days. How they grieved him with their grumblings. So I don't know about you, but when I read that, I go, man, can I grieve the spirit of God with my complaining? I sure can. <laughs> Verse 41. Again and again, they limited God. Hold on. This is the God of the impossible. The God who can do anything. The God who spoke light and there was light. The God who spoke land, rise up, land, rise up. This is God we're talking about. And it says mere natural men limited him. What else did they do? They prevented him. Who? God. From what? From blessing them. I don't know about you, but I read this. I go, Lord, help me to not get in the way. <laughs> I don't want to get in the way of the blessing. I don't want to get in the way of you working on my behalf. I don't want that. He goes on, continually, they turned their back from him and they provoked the Holy One of Israel. Now, this is a wake-up call. I go, no, Lord, I do not want to be part of that. Now, how did they limit God? They limited him by not looking at him. They turned their back. Another way you could say it is that instead they looked at what they couldn't do. What was their focus on? Their focus was not on God who can do all things. Their focus was on God, I can't do that. I'm limited. This is earth to heaven mindset and it limited God. Now look at this in Numbers chapter 13, just to go back to the, what the psalmist is talking about. Now again, he's talking about those 12 spies that went into the land. And now notice this, did God or Moses tell the Israelites to send men into the promised land. It was Moses's idea. It was man's idea. God never told them to go check it out. He told them to go take it. It's yours. Go get it. But a lot of times, what do we do in our natural nature? I got to just see if this is true. I'm going to go test the waters a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with your doing diligence. And there's, I get all of that. That's all part of it. But if God says, take it, it's yours. Just do it. Come on, just, just do it. God came up with just do it before Nike did. I think you're going to see that all over heaven. Just do it. Okay. <laughs> so here it is. After exploring the land for 40 days. Now, again, a lot of you have read this story. You've heard this story a number of times. But let's look at it from this perspective of earth to heaven mindset and how it limits God and how it robs him from blessing us. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. Grapes as size of your head. Like imagine using a knife and fork for a grape. That'd be amazing, man. This is what their report was. We entered the land that you sent us to explore. 
And it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produced. I could just see one of the guys, and there's just one grape on the table. But the people, now verse 28, the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and they're fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. So you can hear, what is this communication? It is earth to heaven communication. Lord, these giants live here. They're there. Going over into the next promised land. They're there. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. And what was his words? I love this. Let's go. Can you see Caleb just, man, everybody, shh, shh, let's go. What kind of talk is this? This is a heaven to earth communication taking place. This is what the spirit of faith sounds like. There's something different about these guys. They talk a little bit different. What's the communication? They're not thinking heaven is where I'm going. They're operating from heaven is where I start from. Let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Verse 31, but the earth to heaven folk Oh, they explored the land. They disagreed. We can't go up there against them. They're stronger than us. <laughs> Anybody want to slap these guys? Okay. Verse 32. So what did they do? They spread this bad root report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. Pass it on. They're probably playing telephone with 3 million Jews. Hey, pass it on. All the people we saw there are huge Pass it on. Pass it on. Don't listen to Josh Michaela. Pass it on. And there's evil report that went about them. Verse 13. Oh, no, sorry. Verse um, oh, verse 33. When we even saw the giants there, the descendants of Anak, next to them we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. So their image of themselves wasn't a heaven to earth. It was an earth to heaven going, we can't do this. Look at what we are. We are just simply grasshoppers in our own sight. And that's probably what they thought too. And again, when you find over when Joshua took over uh, Jericho, you hear all the people, what they actually thought about the Israelites. They went, man, don't stand in their way. Just, just give it to them. Just give, these guys are, they're crazy. Their God fights on their behalf. Now, if you read the rest of the story, I don't have time for, just for time's sake, but Numbers chapter 14, you could read that. And right after, like you see Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb, they tore their clothes before the Israelites and pleaded with them, please come on, we can surely do this. Doing everything in their power to try to convince them to start seeing things from heaven's perspective. And they wouldn't do it. So what happens at that spot, the 10 died instantly. And then for every day that they wandered or they looked around in the, in the promised land, that's the amount of years that they spent wandering the desert. I don't want that to be me. So what do I need to take on is I need to reassure and almost have a change of thought. I need to start operating from heaven to earth mindset. Come on, shout that with me. Heaven to earth not earth to heaven, heaven to earth. You are a citizen of heaven. That's where you reside. Ephesians 2, 6, you are seated there with him in 
heavenly places far above all principality. You're seated far above demons and everything that evil would try to do. You're above all of that. So what do I got to do? I have to start seeing it from this perspective. This is how Jesus is going to build his church is that you and I start to have a renewed mind that our spirit is already engaged with. Your spirit already has this mindset. Your spirit understands spiritual things. But what needs to take place? The soulish realm has to catch up to what's taking place in the spirit. Now look at this in Matthew chapter 16. You actually clearly see this beautiful example of how Jesus is going to build his church. Now again, familiar scriptures for us. But when Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are the people saying about me, the son of man? Who do they believe I am? You could ask that same question and you could get a million, and diff- million different reasons as, or explanations of who Jesus is. But the most important question, uh, verse 14, it says some are convinced that you are John the baptizer. Others say you are Elijah reincarnated or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Confusion is all over. But then Jesus turns around and he says, who do you say that I am? That's the question you have to answer. Who is he to you? Is he just, you know, a guy that I kind of hang out with on a Sunday a little bit? I just pray to once in a while, hopefully that he comes and shows up. Who is he to you? I don't know about you, but I've come to have a beautiful relationship with this Jesus. I love this man. He gave his life for me. So out of his mercy for me, Lord, here's my life. Simon Peter spoke up and he said, you are the anointed one or the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, I think Jesus got super jacked about this comment right here. He got super duper excited. I bet he chest bumped Peter and said, Peter, you crossed over. You saw it. You did it. That's exactly what you need to hear. You are favored and privileged, Simon, son of Jonah, for you didn't discover this on your own. Meaning what? It didn't come to you, other translations say, it didn't come by flesh and blood. Meaning you didn't get it from information. You didn't hear it talked about. You got it from somewhere other than natural circumstances or natural outings. Where did it come from? It came from the inside. He says, but my father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. You know, there's a wonderful statement. I can't remember the gentleman's name. He was an old, old timer. But he says, one does not merely discover God. Someone, God in his grace and mercy reveals himself to you and I. You don't discover him. It's based on, hey, if you're hungry for him, he'll reveal himself. You seek, you'll find. You knock, he'll open the door. But he doesn't just look for the, it says those who go after him in faith, you'll be rewarded. You're going to get him. He doesn't bless the casual seeker. Because if God wanted to right now, he could open up the whole heavens and look at earth and say, yo, I'm God. And every atheist would go, okay, I guess I believe. He could do that, but he has chosen not to. He is chosen. You and I have to reach out to him in this expectation. You are God. I believe that you are who you say you are. And you reward those who go people who diligently seek you. Lord, I'm going after you. That's what his expectation is. That's what he's looking for in the earth. I don't know about you, but that's why I believe this church exists. We are just the people that fill up space on a Sunday. We are here who diligently seek our God. We want him. We need him in order to fulfill his mandates on this earth. Jesus, we need your presence. Then Jesus turned right around and he says, I give you this name, Peter. You're a stone. And this truth of who I am, what is it going to be, church? It's the bedrock 
on which I will build my church. So how many of you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God? That revelation came to you, whether you heard a message, whether you went to evangelistic crusade, whether you watched it on TV, whether you heard the preaching of the good news, you heard that Jesus is the Christ, you acknowledged it, you confessed it, and what took place? New birth took place. And Jesus said, on this rock, revelation knowledge, I am building my church. Church, And then he says, or my legislative assembly, and the power of death or the power of hell will not be able to overpower it. What can't overpower? Hell can't overpower revelation knowledge. Once you know, you know. Once you found out, you got it. No devil can tell you otherwise. No natural circumstance can either point you in an off direction. That's why the devil is so doing everything he can to, in, to totally come after and get all of his information as much as he possibly can through all the outlets. He's doing everything again to keep you and I distracted from not actually seeing what needs to take place. You know, anybody know Mach 7? I forgot the guy's name back in the 50s. He was the guy that went Mach 7. Chuck Yeager, Chuck Yeager, thank you. He made this statement about, because they were real nervous, once you get up to, I can't remember the kind of speed, sorry, it's kind of going off my brain right now, but they were going to reach a certain amount of speed and everybody was worried, well, what's going to happen when you get to, you know, seven, 7,000 miles an hour? Like, what, hap- what happens? Are you going to just evaporate? And so they, afterwards, he finally got there and I guess he actually broke his collarbone and they didn't, wouldn't tell anybody because otherwise they wouldn't let him fly it. So he got in there and all of a sudden he just mock seven. He got past the speed that they were planning for it to do. When he came back in, they said, how was it? He said, it's like sitting on a porch drinking tea. He said, what was the problem? It wasn't what our problem was, not the fear of getting to that place. It was the lack of understanding we had of operating in that level. Well, it's the same way with the devil today. He's doing everything he can to blind people, obviously the world, yes, but to blind the Christian from seeing the reality and the truth of what the word of God has to say. Because once you see it, Mach 7 isn't anything. We can go to Mach 8. We can go to Mach 9. You can go to Mach 10. So what's blocking us? It's a mindset. It's earth to heaven mindset going, how is it going to happen? How am I going to get provided for? How can I get blessed? How You can't raise kids in a community like this. The world is nuts. Kids are expensive. You know how many times I hear that? Kids are expensive. My Bible says kids are a blessing. God is supposed to provide for every single child you got. It's just a whole different mindset. It's a heaven to earth mindset versus an earth to heaven mindset. I didn't even get to my message and we are at 1126. We're going to continue this in the new building. Let's just, no, I'm just kidding. Let me uh, try to wrap this up real quick. Where do you let go of? Where do you, where do you stop? Just let go right there. Is that what you're saying? Jamie says so good, but keep going. I'll finish with this last verse. So I want you to see this. So instead of looking at what God, he said, they got their eyes on themselves and their limitations. They cried all night long because of the report. Now, I don't have this on screen, but go to John 6 for a sec. I'll let go here. Hey, son, don't play yet. Just one sec. In John chapter 6, let's turn there for a moment. Verse 5. Now, this is the part where I believe the Lord is going to stretch you and I. Let me say it with me. Stretch. Stretch. Stretchy pants. We all like stretchy pants, do we not? 
They give you some room. They give you, oh yeah, I can squat. And man, I tell you, there's a lot of things. But at the same time, God is going to want to stretch you and I so that we go to these next levels. Stretching is good, right? So in John chapter six, we're going to read five through 11 in the Passion Bible, not in the message there. It says, as Jesus sat down, so remember a multitude have come to him. Thousands upon thousands of people have come. He looked out and he saw the massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill for they wanted to be near him. So he turned to Philip and he said, where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? I think John's response was something like that. Now you look at this verse six. Now Jesus, or sorry, it was Philip. Now Jesus already knew what he was about to do. Now, I love that line because I believe in your and my life. Can we say this? Jesus already knows what he's gonna do. Come on, say that one more time. Jesus knows what he's gonna do. He already knows what you're going to do. He already knows what he's going to do. Sorry, I should say He already knows. But he is going to ask you a question to stretch your faith. So you have to welcome some of these questions because what's the purpose of the question is to see which way the thinking is going. Is it going earth to heaven or is it going heaven to earth? That's the majority of the question he asks is to see and to locate where you're at. What's my thinking? Can we do this? I don't know. I don't see it. What's the, what's the problem? You don't see it. Doesn't mean it can't happen. You just don't see it. So now let's reverse the place that we're operating from. When you start operating from heaven to earth, you go, oh, I see it. I see it. Oh yeah, I see it. I see it. And you get excited about that because that's where revelation knowledge begins. It's, it, you see it from there. You won't get revelation. Oh God, I just need to see it. I just need to help. Lord, help me down here. God doesn't want to just change. He needs to change your location from operating from this higher realm so you can look down and go, I see that. Everything on this earth is going to be operated to run by what we see from here and bringing it down here. That's what vision is. Vision is seeing what God has already said, what God already wants to do from this perspective and now carrying it out here. Because listen, when you carry it out down here, there's going to be problems. There's going to be things that get around. Why? Because you're in the natural realm. But as long as you got the God-given vision, you can see what's taking place. Proverb even tells us when you have vision, the people are running and they're excited and they're, oh, we see it. We got it. We got it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We can possess the land. So I don't know about you, but I want to be part of this heaven to earth mindset. I'll finish it up real quick. Philip answered, well, I suppose. Now, I want you just to listen. I know we laugh at this, but how many times have we thought this at our own self? Where are you going to get the food? Where are you going to get the money? How are you going to get your kids safe? How are you going to operate like this? Well, I suppose if we were to give everybody a snack, that that's going to cost thousands of dollars. If we gave everybody a granola bar, it's going to cost me a thousand dollars to even just get enough food for them. But just then, Andrew, Peter's brother, spoke up and he said, look, here's a, young, here's a young person, here's a young guy with five barley loaves and two small fish. But 
Come on, y'all, what's the question? But how far would that go with such a huge crowd? <laughs> Doesn't work. Verse 10, Jesus said, have everyone sit on the ground. Jesus said to his disciples, so that on the vast grassy slope, more than 5,000, in other translations says, men, hungry men. <laughs> I tell you, hungry men can eat a lot. Sat down and Jesus then took what was given to him. Even the small stuff that we look and go, is this going to do anything? He looked up and he gave thanks to God. Then he gave it to his disciples and they distributed it amongst the people miraculously. What? The food multiply with everyone eating as much as they wanted. Woo! Do we have a God who doesn't know how to take care of things? We have a God who knows exactly what he's going to do. When it comes to the earth, when it comes to your children, when it comes to your personal life, when it comes to your finances, your health, God knows exactly what he's going to do. So what do I want to do? I want to jump on his ship and I got to start seeing things from his perspective and start agreeing with what he's got in mind. Because I tell you, church, when he's, got th- when he's got a thing on his mind and he reveals it to you, there's nothing more beautiful, nothing more exhilarating, more exciting to the joint forces with our almighty God. Amen. Let's all stand up. I'm done now. Oh, that was slow getting up. Hey, that was a, that was a rough one. A few stretches, a couple yawns. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Come on, just say this today. Father, help me to see things from your perspective. I believe that I have eyes to see. I believe I have ears to hear. My heart is established in your word. So Holy Spirit, I give you full and clear access to my heart to change my mind, to change my thinking to work with my emotions, to line up with your word. Lord, thank you for your word. I believe it. It's established in heaven. So I establish it in my heart and in my soul and in my physical being in Jesus name. Now we just, just declare this over everything concerning you. We're going to say, line up, line up soul, line up body, Line up finances, line up kids, line up attitude, line up emotions. You are the boss, meaning what? My spirit, working with the spirit of God, is the majority. Soul, line up. Take those feet. No, 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 no. I'm not going to take that again. No soul. Line up. This is who you are. Flawless, restored, redeemed, healed, purchased, loved. That's who you are. And you start to renew your mind. Amen. Amen.